0: Hi, I'm Linda Holmes. It's NPR's Book of the Day. Even if you're pretty savvy about online scams and computer security threats, ransomware can sound pretty terrifying. That's where hackers break into a computer system and block people or companies or hospitals or cities from accessing their systems until they pay a ransom. Renee Dudley and Daniel Golden, both ProPublica reporters, wrote a book about people who try to shut down these threats, and they do it for free. The book is called The Ransomware Hunting Team, and the authors told Here and Now's Scott Tong about some of the complexities of good guys and bad guys in this very complicated world.
1: You may have heard of a high-tech version of kidnapping around the world. Hackers sneak into a computer system and lock away essential data until they get paid a ransom. It's called ransomware. The cyber bad guys have hit big corporations, hospitals and as you may remember, the Colonial Pipeline last year.
2: On May 7, 2021, one of the largest refined fuel pipelines in the United States, the Colonial Pipeline, experienced a cyber attack that shut down fuel delivery between the Gulf Coast and the East Coast. The pipeline itself spans almost 5,500 miles and carries millions of gallons of fuel per day. It was the target of ransomware.
1: The pipeline company paid more than $4 million to get its data back and turn the flow of oil back on. Overall, ransomware cost victims an estimated $20 billion last year. But there are people who fight back, and they are profiled in a new book, The Ransomware Hunting Team. We have the two authors with us, ProPublica reporters Renee Dudley and Daniel Golden. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So, Daniel, ransomware once was a kind of petty crime. How did it become this global hacking industry?
2: Yeah, I mean, ransomware has emerged from the sort of individual operator to the larger organization it was going from individual players using a kind of uh, spray and pray approach attacking lots of individual people for a few hundred bucks a piece to these business organizations attacking major targets like corporations and cities and hospitals and universities and uh, demanding millions of dollars in ransom. And now some of them in their organization are as complex as uh, traditional businesses with human resources people and various kinds of specialists, specialists all designed to uh, amp up the stakes.
0: As they've grown, the specialization that Dan mentioned, where they are having people who specialize on finding the vulnerabilities and people who specialize in writing the code and people who specialize in doing the negotiation it's allowed the hackers to focus more on the cryptography that's the part that actually locks your computers that's what helps them to get these bigger targets and extract more money
1: yeah right i mean it is this corporate model that you that you lay out right with different kinds of expertise your book of course also chronicles the good guys as it were here these kind of white hat social misfits in many cases who are really good at cracking ransomware, finding ways to help people who have been attacked, organizations that have been attacked. Daniel, I want you to tell us a little bit about Michael Gillespie, because I find his story fascinating.
2: Yeah, Michael is a, is a fascinating guy. He's one of about a dozen members of what, what's called the ransomware hunting team, these people around the world who, for no fee and no profit of their own, have saved millions of people and organizations from paying billions of dollars in ransom through their code-cracking abilities. And among them, Michael is the most prolific. He's cracked uh, more ransomware than any of the other members by finding ways to get the key without having to pay the ransom. And his story is quite remarkable. He's overcome all kinds of challenges as he grew up in poverty. Uh, He never went to college. He had cancer. He and his wife have been so poor that... Every month they've, they've had to choose uh, uh, which utility do we use and which one do we shut off? You know, are we going to have hmm. electricity or water this month? Uh, uh, you know, he was working at a very low wage job as a tech repairman at a company called Nerds on Call. And yet he became obsessed with ransomware. Some of the clients at Nerds on Call had been hit by it. And he, basically taught himself to become brilliant at finding the weaknesses in the code that the hackers use to encrypt people's files. And and he ultimately developed a number of tools that automated this so that if you were hit by ransomware and you upload files to his site, it could tell you what kind of ransomware it is and if there's a solution to that ransomware that will allow you to get the key.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's an fascinating human story. I mean, not just about persons like Michael Gillespie, and I still can't get over how he and this group, they just do this for free. They continually do this for free. But, Renee, I want to ask you about, you know, what are the surprises uh, about, you know, we think this is kind of good guys and bad guys, and on one side, with the hackers, you're right about how they have a reputation to kind of protect. They have to show they'll be trustworthy That they'll give you your data back if you send in the money, the ransom. It kind of reminds me of that scene in L.A. story when the guy goes, my name is Bob, I'll be your robber today. (laughs) I see that. you, you You have to show that you're honest in a way.
0: That's right. If you say that you're going to give a key in exchange for a ransom, you better give that key. Because if you don't give the key, then word's going to get out that you're a double crosser, and then nobody's going to pay anymore. Because the victims are active online. They gather on sites like probably foremost among them is this site called Bleeping Computer, which is mm-hmm. run by one of the ransomware hunting team members named Lawrence Abrams. And the victims gather there looking for help from members of the hunting team and oftentimes get help from members of the hunting team. But in cases where They've paid and not gotten satisfaction from the hacker, they'll let everybody on the forms know, and mm-hmm. people will stop paying for, for the key back.
1: We
2: also found, interestingly, that the hunting team that we feature and the bad guys, they have an awful lot in common. You know, they they like some of the same video games, some of the same movies. They're both obsessed with cryptography and coding. They're, they're sort of the same age. And, and there's a banter that goes on between them. And our book features a lot of the conversations where the hackers are taunting the hunting team or vice versa. And so there's <laughs> a lot of dialogue between these kind of people who are similar, except that in one case... They're out for the money. And in the other case, they're selfless and trying to protect the internet and our society.
1: Yeah, I love this digital trash talking that you feature. The other kind of twist I found, Daniel, is there are these apparent good guys on the surface who emerge to help people fix their problems saying, oh, well, you know, you pay us a fee and we'll get your data back. But in reality, they're just paying the ransom and taking a cut. That's right. These are called data recovery firms,
2: and they pretend to do what the hunting team really does. So if you're if if you a victim and you contact them and you say, I've been hit by ransom, but I don't want to pay the ransom, they say, no problem. We'll find the key and, and supply it to you uh, for a fee. But in reality, what they do is they open up negotiations with the uh, hackers, and they pay the ransom. They get the key, and then they supply it to the victim saying, here's your key, but then they charge them the ransom plus a profit, and the victim never knows that, hey, I actually paid the ransom. They've been essentially deceived twice, first by the, the gang and then by the place that they sought to uh, get help from.
1: Yeah. I, I want to just ask the both of you, I mean, talking about this publicly in this book, do either of you worry that you have a little bit of a target on your back that the bad guys are going to try to go after you?
2: We do have a little bit of a worry because, you know, our publisher was hit by ransomware shortly before publication. We don't know if that was related to our book or not, but the timing certainly gave us some concern.
0: A number of the members of the ransomware hunting team use aliases to protect themselves. One relocated because he was worried about hackers knowing his location. So Mm -hmm. they do feel the, the threat.
1: Renee, is this an arms race? The, the ransom demands get higher and higher tens in the tens of thousands, in the millions of dollars. Insurance companies will pay this. It just seems to be going up and up.
0: It does seem to be going up and up. When I started reporting on ransomware in 2018... Demands then were considered high, and they were in the five or low six figures. And now it's tens of millions of dollars. And you're absolutely wow. right. Insurers have made a practice of paying ransoms, which you know when when the hackers know that they're going to get a payout, those payouts make the whole business churn. They get paid, more people get in. the ransomware gets better and better and the victims get bigger and more sensitive.
2: The hackers also, um, their techniques have gotten even more sophisticated. So in the last couple of years, when they uh, get into a network, before they actually make the ransom demand, they steal a lot of information. And then if the victim balks at paying the ransom, they post all this personal information on the dark web, you know, student information, employee information. And so that's another hammer that they can wield to... uh, force uh, their targets to pay up.
1: Uh, Is there a version of kind of uh, an encryption arms race between the hackers and the hunters?
0: When the hunters find a vulnerability in the ransomware, eventually the hackers are going to figure out that their ransomware has been cracked because victims are going to stop paying. But as the hackers stop receiving payments, they realize, oh our enemies, the hunting team have figured this out and they'll search for the vulnerability and plug it.
1: It's almost a little bit of quality control of their product. Exactly.
0: They're testing their product. That's exactly right. And so over time, due to this Fantastic product testing that the that the ransomware hunting team has done. You know, one consequence of their excellent work helping victims is that the cryptography has become impenetrable.
2: Yeah. And Colonial Pipeline was a great example of that. The group that attacked Colonial several months before the attack, the hunting team had actually cracked their code. But then so did a cybersecurity company, and it made the mistake of making that public. And the hacker said, oh, thank you very much. We're going to fix our code. And so when they attacked Colonial, the ransomware was unbreakable, and that's why the company
1: had to pay the ransom. Yeah. We've been talking to Daniel Golden and Renee Dudley. They are the authors of The Ransomware Hunting Team, a band of misfits, improbable crusade to save the world from cybercrime. Thanks to you both. Much appreciated.
0: Thank you very much. much. It's a pleasure.